You're listening to Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. Too much on the line, too much to give in. If you think it's over, then let's start it again. The planets alive, the stars burn bright. The sun goes down, we keep going on that. Don't back down, the moment is now. Don't miss out, never turning around. That is your All right, we're here with the episode 143 of Cowboy Shit. I'm Ted with... I'm not Ted. I'm Wacy. I'm Wacy. I'm just thinking about when you introduce the pod all the time, man. <laughs> I'm Wacy here with Ted. He's all the way across the pond in Scotland. Teddy, this is our first like international international pod. Yeah, I'm over here in in BC, and you're parking it in Scotland for the night. Yeah, just for just for the night, eh? Uh, oh, that was funny. Uh... <laughs> Hot start to the show. <laughs> It's Monday. That's fun. I kind of put that one on you a little short notice, but no, it's all good. It's uh, all good. That's funny. I was, I was just like, I was like re- replaying kind of how you do it in my head, and then I'm like, I guess I'm dead now. I'm done now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh okay. So, what is it? We left on Wednesday, May 10th. Uh, flew over here to London. Got here on the 11th of May. Um. Stayed up all day, like stayed up because I didn't want to go to sleep and get all screwed up on the timeline. So we stayed up all day. But then by the end of the night, I think I had like a few beers and a couple old fashions. And by the end of the night, I was just like on the chair and just, <laughs> just passed out at like nine o'clock in the lounge downstairs at the hotel bar. Um, but the first day we got to London and we just like wandered around and saw everything. Mm-hmm. We saw like Big Ben. We saw uh, the big like London Eye. We saw Westminster Abbey. We saw Trafalgar Square, Buckingham Palace. Nice. Uh, we just like saw everything. We just walked around for like, I don't know, five or six hours and went to a couple pubs. And yeah, we had an unreal first day. Like somehow I did a bunch of like research before we left on what I thought was uh what would be a good place to be and whatnot mm-hmm. london and it turns out i picked a really kick-ass spot because we were right in the middle of everything nice so, yeah we got really lucky and had a really awesome spot so and i guess the, for those who don't know I'm, I'm over here with uh donnie johansson has been on the show he was on episode 50 with us with chad best plug when we talked about the top bow riders in the world uh jeff chadwick is some man i work with uh from wrangler for for quite a while now he's been with Wrangler. i think he said like on the trip he's been with Wrangler for like 37 years so if you know if you work with Wrangler, you probably work with jeff so and then uh, uh jim nevada so jim we have our cowboy shit warehouse with jim and jim is roper canada a uh, former truck wagon uh racing driver and outrider Calgary stampede champion so uh yeah here with the whole crew but yeah we booked a really good spot that first like for a couple of days in London, then we took the train up to and you, uh, and you were walking distance to all these like landmarks in we London. Walked we walked, yeah, because I've never been to London, so I don't know how far apart all this stuff is. So that's cool uh, that you're able to walk to everything. Probably walked like 10 kilometers the first day, it was pretty aggressive. <laughs> and Donnie did all 10 kilometers in his cowboy boots, it was pretty man. Impressive. That guy's a, that guy, that guy is a specimen. All he, all he brought on this trip was cowboy boots and golf shoes. 
That just goes to show what, what you get when you get a nice pair of cowboy boots. Yeah, man. Canada West Beach. Winnipeg, Manitoba since uh, <laughs> 1978. Check them out. Making miles. You know that's cool. So, so before you move, like move on, like how was? What did you think of London? Like, what was like, you were there for a short time, but it's your first time. To, it's your first time to Europe. So, yeah, of all the places you've been, where does it kind of rank on the list? Oh, where would it rank? Uh I don't know what to say there yet. Waste. There's too many people for me. That number one. That like just way too many people, tourists. Like. We were there two days and we were all ready to get the fuck out of town. Oh, really? Yeah, we're just like, okay, let's get out of town. <laughs> right? And like, we saw a few things. Like, I'm not much of a tourist guy going like spend seven days with a like with a set of headphones walking around a church mm-hmm. or a castle with like audio stuff. Like, I'm not going to do that for 10 days of my life or two weeks of no, my thanks. life. Thanks. Yeah. But I did listen to like, you know, so we went to we went to all those places. We didn't do any official tours or nothing. We just kind of like we were on the pretty quick tour kind of thing. We didn't have time to go. Mm-hmm. You were only there two days, right? So we we're getting the the exterior tour of London. Um, but yeah, we were all ready to get out of town. So so then we did on Saturday, and we took a, the train to uh, to Edinburgh, and we loved the train. I, it was for like twenty bucks more. I got us uh, like first class tickets. So I like because I I don't know I if I can do that, it's, sometimes it's pretty awesome. But for like $20, mm-hmm. I was like, geez, we, you know, it's a no brainer. Yeah. There's like food, free food on the train and free, uh, well, not free, like you pay for it, but, but the drinks and food was included. So they fed us like anything you could dream up. I still have chips from the train ride. Like I got a bag of chips here. Cause you never know when you might need a bag of chips. So, uh, <laughs> so, so <laughs> but I think Don had like six or seven beers on the train. And then Jimmy had nice. a nice, like, but like, why not? Right. It makes sense to, um, yeah, to do that kind of thing. So when we had like a table, it was so awesome. I booked us a table. So there's four of us and we all sat together and, and like, if nice. we had cards, we could have played cards the whole time, but like the scenery was really, really neat. Uh, looking out like we were right along the ocean for a while between London and Edinburgh. Um, what else? We saw lots of canola fields. We saw tons of sheep. Um, it was just really, really cool. Like Sweet. just, yeah, well, that was, I think for most of us, that was one of our favorite parts. Like before the golf part, like today, mm-hmm. the train ride was like really kick ass. But that's a cool, the cool thing being able to ride by train because you have to be like a you can be yeah. pretty observant because you have to worry about driving. And then yeah. it's different than flying because you're not so high up off the ground. You're kind of, yeah, so you have to be like an observant passenger. Yeah, I would, I would, I think I'm going to take the train again sometime soon because that was kick yeah. ass. But, so, uh, but yeah, then we went to Edinburgh or Ed- Edinburgh. Chloe, Chloe uh, Pilar told me it's Edinburgh. 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 <laughs> so, and and Dave Sandyland and uh, another. Well, he's a Scot. He's a Scot. Scottish guy, Dave. Yeah, like at least three people told me how to say Edinburgh. So, yeah. for the record, it's Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Uh, but so by accident though, we were at our Airbnb and like, it was okay. It was not a great Airbnb, but it was walking distance from the train station, so it ended up working mm-hmm. out pretty good. And it was like. Considering what we paid for a place in London, this one was cheap because I got this three bedroom condo, which ended up especially being four bedrooms with four separate beds for like less than 500 bucks Canadian. And it was right downtown. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was like pretty slick. It was for one night. So it was whatever. But I didn't really read the reviews very well. And it was right across (laughs) the street from a uh, from a from a bar for uh, I don't know, Sean, you're going to have to check this one. But is it we're right across the street from a gay bar called CC Blooms. I don't know. Can I say that? Is that? Oh, yeah. That's it. I can take gay bar. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I didn't. I'm, I think I'm you can. Sure. I don't think. I don't see why you can't. Like it's yeah, not like anyways, you're being yeah. derogatory or 
Yeah. Like, it was, yeah. So we're right across the street from a gay bar and a theater. So we were like right in the middle of like the guy, the guy came over and he had to make my bed because I didn't have any sheets or no, like no bedding on the bed. So you had to unlock this thing. And luckily it was close by because mm-hmm. otherwise I'd been sleeping with like a, like a little shitty blanket from the fucking, <laughs> <laughs> at least I had a hide a bed, but like, anyways, I, I, he was like, oh yeah, we're right in the middle of the uh, gay triangle of Edinburgh. And I was like, what? <laughs> did you say just say the gay triangle he's like yeah all the gay bars are right around here and i was like oh whoops uh, <laughs> <laughs> i had no idea yeah yeah and, and and it was like loud outside of our windows which were like paper thin from you know probably 200 years ago yeah so exactly. window until 4 a.m so we got a little bit of sleep that night but it was not great not much damn well and the and the, the reason you guys went over there is to do some golfing and, and today mm-hmm. you're able to get your first round of golf in. So yeah. talk a bit about that and some of the courses you're hitting up. It was badass. We played uh Dumbarney today and it's it was made in uh like they only built it and opened it in 2020. So it's like brand new and it had two and a half COVID years worth to start, right? So they just started mm-hmm. well, they just yeah, it just started getting busy. But one of the first pictures I saw in there. There's a signed football from Eli and Peyton Manning. So they had played there last summer. Oh, but it's cool. like, it wasn't, and, it doesn't have many like world rankings yet. Like, like tomorrow we're playing at Kings Barnes, which is like top 20 course in the world. And then uh, Wednesday is Carnoustie, which has hosted the British Open before, like the Open. And then on mm-hmm. Friday, we played the old course at St. Andrews. So like those ones are all like pretty highly ranked, but this Dumbarney, like, the only place that I've played that's even comparable before would probably be like the Wolf Creek course in Mesquite, Nevada or Cabot in uh, Nova Scotia. So yeah. I mean, it's like already up to top one or two or three courses <laughs> played. So it was, which is, which is wild that it's such a new course. Cause that doesn't really happen over there much. All those courses are so oh. old and been around for so long that like a yeah. newer course, it's like a an anomaly almost. Yeah, it really is. But it's like right up there. Like I, I mean, it, yeah, it's only four years old, so they're probably not going to get the, the, they're not going to get the accolades yet that everywhere else has, but like, like man, the other th- coolest thing about this place so far is like it, we're staying in St. Andrews, and we're like a hundred feet from the old course right now, mm-hmm. and there's seven courses, seven golf courses in St. Andrews, and it's like mostly a winter town. Like the I don't know what the latitude here is, but it's like probably colder than Calgary, on average throughout the year. Like I think it would definitely be more cold yeah. than Calgary, and people are walking around town with their golf clubs. Like people walk around a ski town in bc with their skis <laughs> yeah that's awesome they're walking up and down town with the that's the cool clubs. it's insane so just like yeah super cool but uh i made the the i made the bet on the thing if i'd be 95 or over or 94 or under mm-hmm. and i was at 89 so ended up like had a really good like first three holes part all three holes but i had a, i somehow drove the green on a par four for the first time in my life and then proceeded to three putt for a par <laughs> So otherwise Classic. it would have been like actually under par after three holes in Scotland. I was thinking I was pretty good at golf, but then was quickly humbled with a uh, double or brought two. back down to earth. I, I'm I'm almost excited to see how your scores progress throughout the rest of the week. Well, I probably 89 89 is a pretty solid score to start off with. That was decent. I was pretty yeah. content. Yeah. Well, yeah. and one thing and one thing people maybe who don't know who haven't been over there before, like the golf style is a lot different than what we have in North America. Like there's not really any golf carts and you can't don't really drink on the course. It's more of a, like a professional, I guess, way you could say it or like less casual than it today. is. That was really cool. You what? Sorry. We had caddies today. Oh shit. Really? Yeah. We had two what caddies. What was that like? Uh, 
Andy and Liam, they were friggin' awesome, man. Liam just hacked darts the whole way. <laughs> really? Friggin' sweet, like a sweet Scottish guy. He he was like, yeah, super awesome dude. Uh, and so was Andy. They were they were awesome. So we yeah, we got a couple caddies each day. So it was like super kick ass. Those guys, because like without those guys, we don't know what the hell we're doing. Mm -mm. Like uh, I don't know where I'm hitting. Like I would have never thought to like hit my three wood at the green on that one. He's like, oh yeah, man, go for it. And I'm like, oh yeah, fucking right. yeah, I'm gonna go for it now. <laughs> And then I went for it on another one. <laughs> I went for it on another one and just proceeded to smash it out into the field of the like the farmer's field, like completely off, like way out to the right, spliced <laughs> it out into no man's land. So, anyways, yeah, it's been super sweet time. I'm so glad we came. I uh, bought my first couple bottles of scotch. Got a uh, got a nice Glen Turret here to bring Ooh, home. It's got a pretty nice, nice bottle. So, yeah, brought brought a jug. Uh, what else? Got some Lockley. I wanted to find some stuff that I wouldn't get at home. Mm -hmm. a couple jugs here nice so, nice yeah man what, what about the golf course souvenirs uh they got me a cool golf bag today this thing nice little oh. barney oh is that what is that oh yeah that's the right way sweet yeah yeah that's nice yeah kind of cool eh so there's like a bunch of tees in there and a ball marker and uh whatever else so yes yeah, pretty that's sweet it. dude yeah, I'm. Yeah, it's just so awesome. So expensive, but so awesome. Yeah, it's worth, but one of those things that's like worth worth the the time and the money to make happen, right? The only thing I've seen that is priced better here so far than anywhere else is the wool. Usually at home, like wool stuff is so expensive, but there's yeah, like, it is. I think sheep would probably yeah, I think sheep would probably easily outnumber people here probably ten or twenty to one. So there's wow. a lot of wool. So I'm gonna bring back no more. shortage. You're a big <laughs> wool guy, so we're set. We're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Well, we haven't even mentioned um, our guests today on the show. We got, I don't know how many times PBR, PBR Canada stock contract of the year. Seven time. Yep. Uh, Manson Vold from the famous Vold family stopped in. You, I wasn't able to make the interview, but Ted, you sat down with him and had a pretty good chat talking about yeah, it was awesome. the we industry were, and PBR and all that fun stuff. We were really last minute and I really wanted to get a show done before we left. So we <laughs> fit it in and got that, you know, got her to work. But, uh, but yeah, it was awesome. Uh, Awesome to have Nansen on the show. Uh, we had a really good chat, and Sean joined in. So Sean and I had a chat with uh, with Nansen, and we, yeah, we awesome. talked like so many different things on buck and bulls and the Burton uh, Burton breeding. Which for those in you know, if you're listening to the show with Nansen and you know him, the Burton bloodlines are something you probably know. But if you don't know Nansen, the Burton bloodlines and the buck and bulls are like probably the found. They are the foundation of his herd of of, uh, of buck and bulls and buck and cows. And any if you've seen any of the any of Nansen's buck and bulls in the world, this is this is the bloodlines and where this came from. And it's pretty exclusive to his herd. So kind of wow. neat that, you know, for him to explain kind of what a little bit more about what that is. And uh, then we talked about, uh, well, one thing you had, we'll talk about it in the second half. But the uh, we talked about PBR teams, PBR World Finals, and he actually declined to go this year to the PBR world finals. He had got, had two bulls selected, but he just said, ah, it doesn't really make sense. And May is kind mm -hmm. of our high season. And, you know, I, this May PBR finals is working for some folks, but I don't think it's working for all. So uh, let's, mm -hmm. uh, let's get to the interview and we'll talk some more PBR stuff in the second half. Eh? Yeah. Sounds good. We'll, we'll throw it to there now and we'll catch you after the interview for the second half of cowboy shit with Ted and Macy. Who's who I'm Ted. He's Wacy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
right, welcome to episode 143 of Cowboy Shit, the podcast. My name is Ted Stoven, and co-hosting this week is our guest from the last show, Mr. Sean Morton, all the way from his home in Spruce Grove, Alberta. But meeting us in the middle is the seven, is it seven, Nansen? Is that right? Seven times? I think it's seven, yeah. Yeah, seven time, and he's consecutive, consecutively consecutively won the uh, PBR Canada Stock Contract of, of the Year, seven years in a row, raised some of the best bucking bulls, in uh well some of the best bucking bulls that i think have ever been seen from the likes of uh vjv slash um there's i remember like quagmire and uh, a lot of them uh, like nailed has been down south cooper's comet was a huge uh, star for you guys for a few years but like some of the best yeah. bulls in the world um he's uh you know he's a friend we've we've uh, never had him on the show yet so we've decided to bring him on so all the way all the way from pinoca alberta uh here he is nansen volt thanks teddy it's glad to be here Should yeah be interesting thanks, thanks for doing this we uh sean was like so what are we going to talk about with nansen and i was like i think we're going to get a major education on the buck and bull world in canada yeah i've been doing it for a long time so there's lots to just shoot away and i'll try to answer the questions the best i can well i think in canada the most uh well, one of the more pressing things right now or more uh, timely things is that so slash has been inducted into the Canadian Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame this year. So Correct. the induction ceremony is May 13th in Strathmore. There's a set of spurs here on my desk for the legend uh, this year. I think it's is it Greg Rumor, maybe or was that last year? I forget. But anyways, no, I think you're right. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So so yeah. slash is going into the Hall of Fame. So let's just talk about him right off the bat here. He's probably one of the, you know, probably been one of the best to come from you guys, I would say, right. Like had a lot of accolades and didn't get ridden really hardly ever. They rode him a couple of times. And when they did ride him, they won on him. Like, I think we got to start with slash and just like, I guess that's the first bull you raised that's in now in the hall of fame. And he's pretty, pretty recent, which I think is pretty cool. They put him right in the hall of fame. Yeah. He was a uh, calf was born right in the ranch here in Pinocchio and got started with him as a four-year-old. Wasn't nothing real special. And he kind of kicked it off halfway through that four-year-old year and kind of never looked back after that. He's done lots of stuff for us from, you know, getting us down the road to all these major events with, you know, Jason and get a bull like that that can go, you know, in any round, any rodeo, PBR, they ask you to come. And that's how we kind of got going. When you have a bull that, that's that good a quality, it's easy to get, you know, more involved and get some more shows under your, under your belt. Well, and, um, just I don't have <laughs> I, I don't have pro bull stats anymore. I haven't been writing anymore, so I haven't been on the pro bull stats lately. But looking at yeah, you like, gotta buy a gotta buy yeah, I gotta buy I gotta buy the code for it. Uh, <laughs> but I remember looking at the, at his stats different times and like average mark is you know probably like a 44 plus uh yep. maybe 40, you know, maybe pushing on 45 average. I don't I don't remember now, but uh like like how long was it that they didn't, didn't ride him for? And what, when was one of the first rides, was it Kyle Lozier to win that 20 grand? And he kind of like rode him from probably like seven and a half seconds, technically maybe depending yeah, on I'm who's thinking judging, is it like, Maybe, I don't know if uh, Birch is before that at Stavely. I can't, I don't know the dates on it all. I can't remember that yeah. far back now. I remember those at Wanham. Yeah. Wanham for like 20,000 and, and Lozier, like I'm not knocking on the judges, but it like, it was maybe a long whistle or maybe felt like it was maybe not quite. I, I don't yeah, know. It wasn't, it wasn't its best day and it, that happens, but, that's yeah. part of bull ride. Everyone's yeah. out there off the and he got him stuck, and it was good for him. Won a big check there. So well, and that would have been the first one because that was 2011. And then Burks what Burks rode uh slash in 2012 in Stavely. They're looking back at the videos. That's how that would have worked. Yeah. So yeah, it was or may, it might have been like in the summer, Lozier rode him or something. I'd have to go back and look at that video again now. But but anyways, like uh 
Well, how many? Do you do you remember how many trips it was that he, that he didn't get rode for? Like it was it was a pretty major amount. Like it was a it full was, couple seasons, right? Yeah, it was like thirty five plus trips, closer to forty maybe. And he never got rode in his CPRA outings ever. And he was on the CPRA our dock list for five years probably. So yeah. And he finally got rode at the CFR by Tanner and he won the round and it was a good finish to his career. It was a good That was his retirement year, right? Yeah, that was his final farewell tour year, yeah. And that, that was his final, probably final uh, uh, last ever in CPRA, like in yep. Canadian Pro Rodeo competition. Yeah, first time they ride him, yeah. First time they ride him in Pro Rodeo, yeah. In Pro Rodeo, because they rode him in the PBR. The PBR is a bit. I think Lozier must have been one of the first guys to ride Slash. And then... And then uh, Burks, yeah, and then Burks was like Burks made the best ride ever on him. I think like that. Yeah, it was he, he had a good day that he was ninety one and a half or some damn thing. Yeah, it was un- unbelievable. It was great, yeah, it was good. And he spurred him even too, didn't he? Like he he was it was so rank. It was good. It was one of the best in like live for me and one of the best bull rides I've seen personally. Plus, I got to flank the bull. It was one of the yeah. It'll go down in my memory forever. The or the best ride I've ever seen in Canada, yeah. anyway. And then yeah. for it to be on Slash and like instably at the Glen Keeley, like the stars aligned, you always get the guys that ride really good. Like, yeah, there's some special stuff that happens in that arena a lot of different times. It but does, and that atmosphere's changed a bit since it's gone outside, but I think it'll come back hopefully. But yeah, that was, yeah, it's one of the best bull ridings. Like, we always look forward to going to that one. It was 100%. Top, top shelf, yeah, 100%. It was pretty neat in that little Stavely hockey rink, though. Like, it's so tiny and there's just no space there. And everybody's docked on top of each other, and they made those big like bleachers and stuff. Like it was always so cool that way. Yeah, it's one of the. It's the best one. It was the best one for a long time. Yeah, but now, now like the Pinocchio to be able to have those big outdoor shows like the Saturday night one. Like I just remember, I don't know those couple years we did the like the COVID one in twenty one, and then last year like it's just unbelievable all the people hanging off of each other at that thing that was like stavely on steroids almost right like it was pretty special <laughs> yeah. those nights too yeah that thing's kind of took off on its own again like we had the jace hardy there for a lot of years and it kind of faded out and the stampede wanted to bring it back and it, it come back as good as it possibly could have it was a great oh, yeah. turnaround and yeah showcase what pinocchio can do and the people that are behind it and support it it's good it's a top top end pbr of the year really Nansen, you mentioned the exposure that Slash gave you in Canada. Did you see that carry out in the States as well? Yeah, well, he didn't get to go many trips in the States. We took him to like Billings, a few, maybe Napa, Idaho, a few spots. But uh, he got the, the World Finals four times. So that was great. We had a chance to sell that bull numerous occasions. And we never really got, didn't want to do it. I think it was going to be a bad move on our part at the time. And uh, it just turned around. That bull just did everything for us, right? So, like I said earlier, you got to go to so many more shows, events that have carried our program to the top as it is now. That's what that's what kind of kicked everything off. So, it was a good move to keep them in the long run, definitely. What if you you, you don't have to say, but what's the highest number you turned down for him? At the time, that's when those bulls like gunpowder and lead were trading down there, and uh, I'm trying to think what else at the time. I think uh, pound the uh, alarm would have went down a similar timeline. A little before, he was a little later. Okay, but it was Gunpowder Land just brought a hundred grand that same. They're because they're, they're the same age. They were both four hundred models. Oh, okay, and he brought a hundred thousand. We didn't. We're U.S. dollars. 
Yeah, I mean, probably like half of that. Oh, really? Just wasn't, and he was the better bull in my opinion, but that's probably pretty biased. But yeah, I guess rare yeah. in, I guess throughout bull riding to see a bull that was was that big and heavy in his front end that could turn back that hard and move that fast. He was a he's built like a buffalo that slash was like heavy on the front shoulders, light in the back end. You don't see many bulls like that around. That's the old burden genetics that we carry deep in our program. So we see a little bit that come through again. I got Teddy would know you got you might know too, Sean, that bull Rico, I call him. He's built just like him, looks like him. He's a grandson on, on the mom's side. And that stuff is riders don't like it, but as a contractor, it's a great, great build on a bull that you want to you know that's going to perform well with that stature. Somebody or it was Billy Melville. So he's writing the writing the uh induction for the Hall of Fame. He's writing the I don't know what I'm trying to yep. say, but there's like, you know, the write-up when Pete, when they go in the Hall of Fame. And he's like, tell me about the Burton bloodlines. And I said, I don't know enough about that, but Paul Nansen, because he'll tell you. Like, he, I, I hope he got a, Did he get a hold of you the other day? You yeah, he did. Talk? Yeah, I talked to him about it. Did it come back? Like my grandpa my grandpa built all that stuff up through the Burton bloodline. So those Burtons went down to the States and had a bunch of Longhorn cattle and brought up Mexicans from Mexico and bred these cows to this. And that's what built that whole line. And no one really had it, but my grandpa got a hold of it. And then he kind of gave it out as the breeding bulls kind of come up through the, through the ages. And then that whole, like the whole, all of Canada's got that somewhere in their bloodline. I almost, I almost guarantee it, but we're getting so Americanized breeding up here now compared to years past. So it's kind of fading out, but we got a pretty deep hold of it in our program. So that's proud, proud of that. And, and, it, and I think it turns out we see it in our calves that it's still there and, Hopefully it goes on forever, really. But so who are who are the Burton folks? Uh, you gotta explain a little more. Well, I don't even. Like Dwayne Robinson was at the time. My grandpa bought these cows from the Burtons, and they were raising these crossbred cattle with Mexi Mexican breeding. And then they sold out. My grandpa bought all the cows, and then that's when Sitsons come into play. Oh yeah. And they took over the took over the cow herd from my grandfather when he sold them out. And then Dwayne Robinson kept like nine or ten heifer calves back that they did they didn't want. And that's where our program started from. Cool. So Sitsons had theirs, Dwayne had his, and then I joined Dwayne in two thousand two thousand or no, it was even earlier than that, nineteen ninety eight, I think it was. I was eighteen years old. That's why I remember that. And then That's a tumbling we, dice days. Right. Tumbling dice, triangle X. And that all came up through Dwayne. He started that whole program. Kelly Armstrong was a part of it for a while, and he kind of got out of it. And then Dwayne and I did it for till I don't know, since Dwayne left about six years ago now, maybe five years ago. So, yeah. And it's still deep in our herd, which is great because it's not, it's out there in Canada, but not, anything. I think we got the deepest herd of it. So, and I think it's showed. So, it's been a really good, positive thing for, for what we do. What, what, uh, what are the systems up to now? I haven't seen or heard of them in quite a while now. I remember seeing. I haven't seen them. They're just uh, farming. Okay. Just putting seed in and growing grain and. Okay. Yeah. They got out of it. I bought them out. I don't know. It's been eight years now, 10 maybe. Took all their bulls, all their cows. That was a while back. Oh. Right when Rod sold out. Same time. When oh, really? Got out oh. of it. So I took the main bull herd and I bought all the young stock from Rod at the same time as well. Oh, okay. transition that one one year and we kind of got busy around here in a real hurry. I guess yeah. so. Well, because yeah. you uh well so 
I, I got to go back to Slash a bit more though. Like, is that? Do you think that um, that Josh Burke's ride was one of the best ones? Um, Tanner, the Tanner ride was a little bit like he he stayed on him, but it wasn't as pretty because he was no he, he made the whistle. Yeah, he was out of shape at the end for like that second and a half, probably. Yeah, but still was eighty eight or eighty nine. Yeah, he won the average that day for that. Yeah, um, but and but the like first, the Burke's ride was the prettiest though. It just worked out so well. Yeah, by a mile. There was one in Pinocchio one time. Somebody was a lower score on him. Maybe Galarmi. Somebody hocked a rope into him and got got a lower score. I thought one time. That was Calgary. Oh, Calgary. Okay. Oh, okay. The PBR PBR finals. Oh, okay. Okay. It was like eighty-one. Like yeah. yeah. Had a bad one. Wasn't but then that was yeah. Right in his prime, and it just wrecked the bull, and they kind of take a break for a bit there. And but he oh, come really? back at it, so it was good. Yeah. Well, and one of the one of the other ones I wanted to talk about though was when Bestplug rode him in Calgary in the ten round. Kind of a little bit of a forgotten ride, but he he you know like that was Chad looks back. I remember talking to Chad, and he's like, "I'm more proud of the ride on Slash in Calgary in the ten round than even the winning the hundred thousand on the on that little bull of Bruce's right. Like that was a more difficult round and ride to to take on Slash and, and just pretty quietly was like 89 on him that day too. Yeah. And then he was scheduled to be in the four round, but then I remember shifter coming seeing him that day and say, we're moving him out of the four round because nothing fits with him. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me, but it worked out, worked out for Chad. Anyway, it didn't really hurt the bull. It was just one of those things that you always want them at the top four round. That's where you want Premier. the bull to be at. But, yeah. But never happened. But yeah. Did he never go in the four round then? Yeah. Twice. Oh, okay. Bucked up yeah. Tyler Thompson. I forget who else had him. That's... He's never he never got the award there though. Really? Uh, it was bridesmaid twice. Really? Is that yeah. kind of one of the like the one that was missing in that for first slash? One that's missing for me, period. <laughs> oh, really? You haven't won it. that yet? Oh no way. No, no way. Yeah. That's Jeez. been my menace since day one. We've been able to go there, yeah. No but way. it'll come one day, yeah. Like, we got we, it I last guess... year without Love Buckers picked it up last year, but under our umbrella kind of, but it was still still one of those things I haven't really got a hold of for the Voldrodio banner. Under your own name yet. Okay. Yeah. Um, but okay, a, a couple more here because we gotta I want to talk about talk about this Hall of Fame. For for Slash to go in the Hall of Fame here now, he retired and would have been it was 2012, I guess, or 2013 was his last 12 or 13, 13 of it. Yeah. So yeah. He kind of put you guys on the map essentially though, because you you um in those first few years you went to all the PBR events, but the whole rodeo business ends up being a bit tricky to get in and out of that. And you had to buy you had to buy out systems and you got to come into it in a big way and then work with Wayne because it's technically still Wayne Vold Rodeo. It's not Correct. like it's Wayne's card and the whole system on that is a lot the barrier to entry is a little trickier, right? So uh so that that kind of started in what would that have been like? Oh, eight or ten? Like, when did you actually get going on that? Yeah, oh, seven, I think it was. It was the first year seven. I joined Wayne. Yeah, and and Wayne. And we so, had, go ahead, sir. And the first year we didn't get one bull of the CFR. That was first we went with Wayne. We had all young stock, right? We had three and maybe a few four year olds kicking around. We had sold all our stuff to Bruce Sunster. Oh, really? We bought all our calves as three and four year olds. Yeah, oh. we had nothing really in the tank at the time, and then. The next year, Slash made it, or only Bull made it to the CFR, and he collected up the CFR Bull of the Slash. Bull of the, that was yeah. your first one to go to the CFR with Slash. Yeah, the only one at, at that time, and then he won no the one top Bull top Bull Award for the finals. Yeah, no way. 
Yeah. Huh. We always joke about having a little stock trailer that pulled around the big banner with slash on it, just pulling one bull around the countryside and <laughs> going to these events. No way. So, so, but one buffer, yeah. if you're bringing one, is the best one yeah. there. Well, exactly. We always said, well, we got to have one, you might as well have the best one. Yeah, exactly. So it always worked out. Yeah. Um, the, uh, he, so he kind of helped build the program up, but what does it mean for him to get in the hall of fame now? Like that's, that's a pretty awesome, uh, awesome acknowledgement that, you know, your first bull ever to go to the CFR is now, a, you know, a hall of fame bull, which there's, there's only probably six or seven bulls even in the hall of fame in Canada. Right. I think I have to go look like there's not very many to get that animal. A con- like achievement is like, Pretty, it's, it means a lot. Of course, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge award. It means a great deal to everything that we've ever done. So I don't know how to explain it. Just very fortunate to have it come our way. And I think he's going to do justice. He's he's proven himself. And it was one of our best bulls we've ever raised. So it's all good all the way around. And I'm glad, however, it got voted on and in. It worked out. And I guess we'll see. It's this Saturday, right? It's yeah. The, yeah. We'll be there for that. Yeah. Yeah. Send sending Jake to uh Camrose. Jake's going to Penhold. I'm sending Tanner Gerlitz to Camrose. Oh, really? All oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fun. Um, did you did you write your speech yet for Saturday? No. No? No. Are you accepting it though, or is Wayne? How does that work? That well, way? I think we're all gonna go up there, Wayne, Dwayne, and myself. So Oh, right on. Wayne talks a lot better than I do, and so does Dwayne. So I might just sit in the background and just let those guys do the talking, but I'm sure I'll have to say something. <laughs> well, yeah, you got to say something. Yeah. Like the drummer in the band, just hang out in the back and let the... <laughs> let those guys Lead handle it. Talk. Yeah. I'm not much of the guy on the mic anyway, so... So what about some of the products we'll from, from uh, Slash in the in the years since? So there, you just talked about Rico. He's a Slash cat from like, my mom's side. That's the thing. That Slash hasn't really performed... As a fact of a sire, his oh. his heifer his heifer calves were better producers than he was as a direct uh, breeder. So we've kind of gone that route with him. Uh, yeah, it didn't really pan out that great. Can't really say nothing that's came out except for Enrica was on the mum side, so that's what I'm saying. It kind of flowed really? through that vein, I guess you'd call it. And yeah, it didn't really pan out for. Any real superstars that Slash ever raised. We still got lots of semen on them, though. Tons of it. Yeah. Huh. Sold a few straws here and there, but nothing's really popped out of the woodwork. Huh. Well, I guess Whatever that doesn't freak, always... Maybe. Not, all, not always the case, then, yeah. No, and then you got bulls like Fig Jam that's probably been our number one sire for the last eight years, easily. Really? No way. Yeah. Yeah, and he also um, has a great name, for those that don't know. Fig Jam. Fuck him good, just Fig ask Jam. me. Exactly. That was a good one. <laughs> That's a great name. Is that one of your is that your favorite name? Bull yeah, it probably okay? is. Yeah. yeah, my buddy came came up with that a golfer, uh little Curtis Bale. He uh gave me that name. I said, What the hell is that about? And then he told me I'm like, that damn right, that's gonna fit, that's gonna stick. <laughs> how'd you how'd you decide to put it on him on that bull? Like what uh didn't really just he was a good calf and then I said that's we'll stick that one on him. I never forget we went to Cheyenne to the rodeo and Chad Burgers there asked me about this what's this fig jam bull he says you guys don't grow any figs up in canada what's this about and i just laughed and i, and I told him and he just thought that was the best thing ever yeah and then what's the what's the other one doesn't curtis have a dilly gaff dilly gaff yeah you're right what is that in about now does it look like i give a fuck that's right there you go 
Yeah, there's a and few that bowl did pretty game. good. Yeah, he was good. Yeah. What? What are the other bo- too? Oh, really? Oh, the no name, way. the name dinner, the bowl. I think it was red and white spot that Tanner and uh, Kevin raised. What are Pretty the other? Sure. What are the other uh, code names? Or are you allowed to tell the secrets? We got, we got Bohica. Bohica, what's that one? Uh, bend over here, it comes again. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! There was another one that we got that somebody got in trouble for at the ranchman's one time. Who? What? What was that one? Or was that you guys or somebody else? Or was that Sawyer? Well, I named, uh, yeah, we got a little carried away one time. We named some like electric lettuce and white powder, and it kind of didn't go oh. over very good with the, the upper ups. <laughs> I remember Ryan Byrne phoning me, giving me shit. So, what the <laughs> fuck are you guys doing over there? You're out, you're out doing uh, Billy Richards on the naming, which is a small, oh, small feat. Yeah, he's option. really good at that, too. Yeah. What uh, what's your favorite name you haven't used yet? You can say it here because then nobody can steal it because it's been it's been spoken. The word's been spoken. Yeah. Oh, haven't used yet. I just called a new one. You know, I see him coming up the ropes called Tick Tick Boom. I really like that name. That's a good one. Yeah. I like yeah. I like the I was just reading up on Hard Not to Get, uh, the one that Lonnie made such a good ride on in the four round last year in Pinoca. I think that's a well, solid that's name another too. story too. Oh, what's that? We gonna, his original name was Get Hard. Oh. <laughs> so I said to Jake, I said, we can't go to the PBR fucking final of the bowl called Get Hard. So I changed it. Last minute, changed it. He says, what the fuck are you doing? I said, well, I can't do it. I'm going to get in shit. So I just changed it. He just knew Ryan was going to call you again. Oh, man. So what So what are the other, uh, what, what do you got? What else you got ready to go for, uh, for some new ones? I got a list longer than... 10 pages but it's really hard to pick them like that's why i like when you buy bowls from guys it's, it's easier just give me a name because i'm it's it, it's it's a fun thing to do but it gets old after a while and you don't want to kind of repeat everybody's old shit from the years past so it's not yeah. an easy job when you got that many to name every year like we got 40 four-year-olds coming up that we got to get new names on so it's going to be a feed in its own task there is there something i don't know if you guys are doing it or not lately but some people, some people will sell like an auction and you can name a bull or whatnot, or you put some companies on them sometimes like slash was a VJV slash like, yeah, like the, the market, uh, put a sponsorship on them for the, for the years he was bucking. It was great. That's where you got that from. And I've done it for a few bulls over the years. Like there's Proline power. Remember him? He was yeah the black uh, bull. Yeah. He was a Proline company, a power line company that put a name on one and we've sold them at some auction sites and raised some money for stuff like that. It's a good avenue to go with for sponsorship for sure. Yeah. And people love it. Oh, I bet. And then it kind of gets them some skin in the game on, on watching their bull yeah. too. Yeah. And they pay attention a little more and it gets more people involved. So why, why was it slash? Why slash? Guns why was the name or... slash? Yeah. Guns yeah, it was Dwayne yeah. Robinson named him. Yeah. Oh, really? Love slash of guns and roses. That's exactly where it came from. No shit. Yep. And then I know I know where Quagmire came from. Somebody's a Family Guy fan, I, I suppose. Giggity, giggity. He just looked like a Quagmire, that big old soggy Charlie. <laughs> he looked a little different than anything else. Huh. He was a well, wasn't he was a letter mate to the slash show same year. Oh, really? No way. Quag, yeah. Do you remember that time that I got a... on Quagmire at Dwayne's house when the junior boat riding that time? And he was like a three-year-old that looked like a five-year-old. Yeah, he was humongous. He filled up the whole shoot and I was in the yeah. junior boat riding, yeah. And how'd that go? Not so good. Well, I know I wrote him halfway. 
Like halfway across Dwayne, Dwayne's little arena. It was not bad. <laughs> yeah, there's been a few stories down at Dwayne's little arena back in the day. Holy shit. Yeah. What oh man. That was a fun that was a fun bull ride when it when the when Jace's bull riding was there. That thing was unreal too. Yeah, it was a very good very good atmospheric spot to be at. So in the kind of One in the, the for those that don't know, kind of in the river valley, um just on the uh, what like southwest side of Pinoca, or is it straight? It was is it southwest? Is that right? It's almost straight, the straight west. Straight west of town, kind of in the river valley, yeah. um like a little backyard arena. Always was like the start of or the middle of June, right before Pinocchio Stampede started at Dwayne's house. And like I remember the party was just so ridiculous. Uh like we just would stay up like all night at Dwayne's part at his house because there's no there's the rules are there are no rules because you're just at somebody's house, right? Like you got there's liquor licenses and stuff, of course, but Dwayne probably got sick of his house getting broken and just people partying their faces off at his house and have to clean up after I'd imagine, eh? Oh yeah. Vicky wasn't very happy with lots of guys after that event. You gotta, um, well, you, this house overlooks the top of the valley, and you got to walk up there after, and it's six in the morning, and there's still a party going on in her garage or in her house. It was you got a little out of control some nights, but yeah, it was damn sure fun. Oh yeah, it's good times. Uh well, so mm-hmm. speaking of that, though, now like the having the event go to the Stampede Grounds and having it with Pinoca, uh, the first like real big trial of it, I guess, was uh 2021 in September, wasn't it? After the wagons, wasn't it the first time. We yeah. kind of put them together is that right oh good year yeah yeah it's kind yeah. of that and then we almost got shut down remember that it was almost uh, yeah like the day it was supposed to start yeah but so, we pushed through and that crowd is crazy it's awesome it was like uh didn't wasn't there because so here's the other side of it though like two things i think we should mention uh wayne is your wayne vold is he your... calls me he's my he's my cousin he's your cousin but he calls him calls you his nephew nephew yeah yeah but you guys are cousins. Just, the age, just the age gap it sounds better i guess maybe i don't know yeah fair enough fair enough yeah. um but then on the second side though you're actually on the board of directors for pinoca too is that correct are you no, I'm not. No. you're not but your dad is and your dad has been my dad has, is and has run the rodeo your dad blair has has run the rodeo uh portion of pinoca for what like 30 years many probably? years yeah my grandfather was there at the start of it yeah yeah and your grandfather being being ralph Ralph, yeah. And his middle name was Nansen too, or was he he was Ralph Nansen or Nansen Ralph? His first name was Nansen. Nansen was Ralph. Go well, my great my great grandpa, his dad was named Nansen. He was Nansen, and then I was Nansen. So yeah. And how did skip so one how, generation? They skipped it with Blair. Yeah. Huh. So and he passed away just last year. Ralph. Correct. Yeah. Just a year ago, yeah. Just a year and a bit. So, yeah. yeah. April of, I think I just read up on it. Um yeah. but uh but that goes back to the to the VJV side, right? Because Ralph, uh, he started. Or no, wait. Tell us about VJ, like the auction markets and 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 your family's connection on that side too. Yeah, my grandpa and Harry, Harry yeah. Bull started the market with Joneses. That's where the J came from in VJV. Okay. And he Joneses ran the books, kind of. They were the accounting part of the firm, and Ralph and uh, Harry kind of did the you know, the road work and sold the cattle and here he was an auctioneer. So it all kind of worked out that way. And yeah. so how old is that business? What year would they got started? 53 started. Really? Yeah. And then did you guys, and then, uh, and then your dad bought it from them at some point. My grandpa, my dad and myself were, yeah. 
at the end of the day, we're all, all a part of the market before we sold it. Yeah. Okay. And you guys sold it, I guess, about what? Well, six years. Coming up 10 ago? years. It'll be 10 years next year. Oh, next really? So August. 2014 was when it was sold. 2014. Yeah. All oh, right on. And, yeah. and, it, and eventually it grew to, like, you guys grew it to Stavely, uh, Pinoca, and Dawson. Is that right? Am I remembering this right? Correct. Yep. Three spots. Yeah. We had four markets. And back in the day, my we owned Rimby at one time, too. My grandpa had a few stuff going on. He had quite a bit of stuff in the, in the irons and the fire, you call it. Back in the day, he had shit going on everywhere. Well, wasn't so, he? So, yeah. But we had the end. And he was like a, like a wasn't he a two or three sport athlete? Didn't he play, play pro baseball and was high up in the rodeo side of things too? Like, did, is that right? Am I well, remembering he, that right? Yeah, not rodeo, but he played professional baseball with the Brooklyn Dodgers yeah. and played on the, he was on the farm team for the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Almost at the same Back time, in, wasn't it? Yeah. Right before that, like late forties, early fifties. And he got out of it and then come home and bought the market and started that bought a big cow ranch out by big valley and did some stuff yeah and also started the golf course too was is, is that of course that came right? in no that was well it was harry's land that ralph bought off harry that to build the golf course that's how that worked yeah and they built that in 1983 i think or 84 and it was like a alberta and canadian championship like golf course too wasn't it like yeah was there some it was very there? yeah i was Top end course for that that time that era of around the between Edmonton Calgary kind of highway. Yeah, it was one of the best ones for sure. And what you you golf well too? What is your like? What is your experience on the golf world? I don't know that either. Well, we grew up at that golf course since I was like five years old, so we we're there all the time. So we golf every day pretty much. So yeah, we were golfing all my cousins and carrying on with tournaments and going all over the country and. Did that all through high school, played pretty well. And then this kind of this rodeo thing took over and I haven't really played as much as I would like to, but still can and do it all the time when we go on holidays and try to get away in the summer a few times, but not like it could have been. Was really thought about going to school and doing, going that route with it at one point, but then the market kind of got in the way and then the rodeo thing kicked off. So this is where we sit now. Did you have offers to go to school on a golf scholarship? No, I didn't pursue it that far. I didn't even go to didn't go to college after high school, so it kind of ended right there and then. So, huh. I'm sure if I would have went on to college, it could have been a different story for sure. Yeah, Natson, you mentioned uh, you mentioned sires, and I just wondered with the depth that that you have and the and the depth that you've had over the last number of years, if it's difficult to pick which bulls to breed with, or if that's always been something that's um, been an easy choice for you. Uh yeah first and foremost years you go off their bucking ability as a as a as their career went if their longevity was there it was a good bull to go after and you secondly we always look at their build of the of the animal if he's got the right bone structure and body body structure that will fit fit a bucking type athlete athlete bull so it's not easy but we've we've definitely experimented over the years of different stuff like i don't know like i said fig jam was probably our number one he was just a good bull and turned him out and it really worked out for us and then lately we picked up well put a few years back got sheep creek back from down the states and brought him home which is a canadian bred bull that was raised with our program that burden genetics throw back again and that's really what worked out well so we're trying to outcrossing a little bit not i don't want to 
diverse too much into that American program a whole bunch say, but I've definitely tried it and some stuff has worked. And we, you know, Prescott's have played with that game quite a bit with the American Bloodlines, and it's worked out well for them. And we get lots of that stock in from him every year. So it's definitely not easy, but it's a it's a trial and error game at the end of the day, really. Earlier, you had mentioned Beastrum, and that got me thinking back to the Cricket Bowls, and and you mentioned Kelly Armstrong, and yeah, you know, Garfield was one of his. And I'm just thinking back to the list of guys that were, you know, very successful bull breeders that all had their superstars that are no longer in the game um so kind of on that note i guess what's what's kept you in it this long and and you're you know you guys are still growing um when a lot of guys you know they they did it for a while they reached a high level and then they moved on to something else yeah i think well i've always we've always liked it from day one and we knew we were gonna do it for a long time it was you know like like with harry being what he did and I've always had an interest in it. Don't see us slowing down, down anytime soon. But the, what really kicked us off from getting from where we were just originally starting to to where we are now is definitely what transitioned to going with Wayne Bold with the rodeo company, needing so many more bulls and having to get other avenues to buy bulls. Like we had a, for years, we raised everything ourselves and didn't you know go searching for others a guy's stuff didn't really need it at the time and then once the rodeo thing kicked in with wayne we found out we were short we didn't have enough we had to get guys to come help us so there's lots of good guys raising bulls in alberta and saskatchewan bc so we looked out and you know found some good partners and guys raising them and it's I haven't really looked back since so our next moves are just with hanging with these guys we got and you know we brought a few bulls out from the states to breed with across that stuff again but we're trying to keep local and keep the canadian bloodline alive as best we can from what works best for what we're doing up here for sure when you mention what works best for up here the bulls have got to be bred differently because the little plumber bloodlines don't work up here those bulls would kind of die in the wintertime almost no, say it's like not there's, there's easy place to live at like it's these bulls are thin a lot thinner hided than your average big strong beef bull right so you got to have some intel of your canadian genetics that are used to that kind of weather format that we get in this country that have to last because i've had it we've had bulls come up from the states and they just can't handle it got to put them in a barn and baby them like you know a bunch of calves so i'm very yeah i'm more committed to the canadian bloodlines than i think a lot of contractors are up in canada but uh it's each of their own. Everyone tries different stuff. So whatever seems to work for you, but there is a, a huge, not a huge market, but there's guys that in the States that look for Canadian buckers that have, they've bought like Gene Owens has bought a pile of them over the years. JW Hart have had success with those bulls and they really like them and they're, you know, the right ones will last down South too. So it's a good, what they're looking for sometimes is that little different than most guys have in the States is get some of that Canadian stuff up down their way. What what have been some of the biggest successes for you in selling bulls down there? What wh which ones and which ones have done the best? And and I think it's I gotta say I think it's neat to bring some of them back to bring back like I thought it was cool that the hogs brought back pound the alarm from Gene, and then you bringing Sheep Creek back like I know that, like Tyler raised that bull Tyler Thompson, but but uh, to get to get them bulls back is pretty neat. But but talk about some of the bigger successes on on some of the ones that have gone down there. Yeah, like our first big. Head down there was Canadian Miss when we sold him to JW Hart back in 
He's only a three-year-old. He was young. I hadn't really got, I think I had four rider trips on his back when he called me up out of the blue and wanted to buy this calf. So made a quick deal. got the, got it done, got him down there and the rest is history. Like he ended up fourth in the world, I think three years ago, four years ago, just before COVID. Mm-hmm. That's probably been our biggest successful bull in the States by a mile. Yeah. Like it was yeah. a, like a full on contender for bull of the world for a couple of years there. And, uh, and we sold a lot of other bulls like uh, Swagger was down south with JW, uh, Oz. Uh, there's a bunch. Like, I think he's he's probably had a dozen of them at least that we've sold to him over the years. Huh. That Canadian mess is stuck, sticks out by quite a bit from the for the best one for sure. Would would you have undersold that bull being only having a few trips? Like, you wouldn't have been able to be worth the 150,000 or like the huge check when he's only got a few trips. You no, know, he wasn't. He was still a very high-end bull for price-wise, but uh, yeah, he would have been worth a lot more if I would have held on to him another year, a year oh. and a half. But but at what, the time, so was that credit to JW to recognize something in that bull that he was worth investing in, or just good? Yeah, luck totally. Story? He's a very good bull guy. We've had lots of success with JW. He, he tries hard, and whatever it takes to get the bull out of the shoot, he'll get it done. Like he's got more tricks and most guys got that some guys will just give up on a bull that's not really you know doing it for him in the shoot and or gets hurt he'll they'll kind of give up on him but not him they'll get him done till till they really prove him wrong but yeah he's been my biggest connection down there has been jw for for sure it's been a good, pretty good relationship, relationship. Yeah. Yeah. yeah talked to him quite a bit and he keeps me in he's got some good calves got him and i can't miss we're excited for that he's got a two or three-year-old now that's uh, really competing in the maturity game that's doing very well. So that'll kind of help our program again. And we're getting those cows on the ground too with Canadian mess. We've been AI and all our heifers every year to that bull. So hope that that goes back to fig jam again. That's the sire to fig jam. So that's where that all goes back to. Uh, I was going to, that was my next question was where you, what his bloodlines were. But so before yeah. you sell a bull like that, do you have the rights to, pull a whole bunch of semen on him to, to before he goes down there oh uh, yeah well i just did that knowing that what, it, what the bull was before he left he got i got a groom and jw's drawing him too so if he runs short he's got some that bull's still alive so i think he's still he's putting lots of cows on him i think you're gonna see lots of meaning miss offspring come up the next few years here oh wow the cool wow. thing with the bloodlines is um like aside from that bull being named canadian mist even if he wasn't, you don't own him anymore, but anybody who's in the industry is going to know any of those good bulls where their bloodlines are. So you're handing him off to a new owner, but he's still kind of flying your banner while he's down there, right? Yeah, and that's good that he put that Canadian name on him. That really helped because it was an easy transition for people to figure out where he came from. But uh, yeah, but that's where ABBI comes in. Everyone can tell. You look up a bull in two seconds what their bloodlines are anymore with the way the technology is. We rely a lot on ABBI just for that reason. Keeps our program checked. You can, you know, kill a whole lineage of, of cows and heifers that aren't producing just off one one cow that sprays all these stuff for you over the years that doesn't seem to be working. You just actually the whole whole works of them and they're gone and vice versa if the good ones are producing that stuff works back the other way too. So it's, that's a great avenue to go with. That's what our biggest tool is in our program is for sure that ABBI. Nansen, I wanted to, uh, I, I wrote down Cooper's comment 
One of the yep. wildest stories what? ever was the NFR night with the go round. Yeah, that was nuts. Yeah. Yeah, he won it. We won the go around twice that year for us. We got a buckle out of there. And then that the first night was the all the bulls named after my my stepbrother that passed away a year to that date of that bull winning that award, which is crazy. It was kind of a pretty surreal whole week there with that all that going on. But yeah, that bull did good for us too. Stuck the name on him as a very young age because I thought I had I had hopes for that bull right from the day one. And it's kind of just turned into that and the story, yeah, it's quite a quite a story for sure. How that all kind of lined up with the stars, or you basically want to say. He uh was one of the first one of or if not the first bull that you had to go to the NFR too. Is that right? Was he the first bull of the NFR for us? I think he was. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't there two yeah. that year? Was that or was he the one? Well, him and Nail, but Nail never got yeah. picked. Nail didn't yeah, get they were both in the world finals, but Nail never got to the NFR, which he should have been. It was he was almost a better bull at the time too, but yeah. But Cooper's comma did yeah showcase her pretty well first. Definitely. Well, yeah, to win two rounds on him, eh? Yeah. I just remember he that night pretty... though, being there and yeah. that to the day was just unbelievable. Yeah, it didn't really. But yeah, it was just way it all come together. It was quite it was overwhelming almost really at the end of the day, but. Pretty good deal. Where does that buckle it. live? It lives right on the top shelf above my cabinet here. Yeah. With a bottle of whiskey beside it, Pendleton. <laughs> Never been open. There's about there's four or five of them up there. We've had pretty good luck at the NFR as far as buckle rounds go. Uh yeah, and like Wayne says, most guys go down there for a lifetime and can't get one buckle out of there, but we've had pretty good success. So it's been fortunate that way. How how does it compare now to well, we were talking the other day, the PBR World Finals. I was like, is it true that we didn't get any bulls down there this year? Like, not Happy Camper or Catch My Drift or, or like, you guys didn't have any. But you told me you had, they picked two, but it's hardly worth the trip to Texas right now for two bulls either, right? So, unfortunately, yeah, and we're it just going to get fit. It doesn't fit. That it's a, and it's a two weekend event now, right? So, you're down there for a long time. And to be gone that long for two head, and we got all this stuff going on in Canada, it just didn't pan out. Unless we're going to get a pile to make the numbers really work for us, we just declined it, and I think it's it's fine. It's not going to really hurt us too badly to be down there, but it's always fun to be there, obviously. It's a world finals, of course. But we'll pass this year, and maybe we'll see what happens next year. What are your thoughts on the changing of the seasons that way? I, I, I almost got thinking of it the other day, or not the other day, but just I've had the thought for a while that the team series has completely devalued the bull business on the, on the team side, because the superstar bulls are way less featured now on the team series. Am I wrong there? Yeah. They, I want just... the, yeah they, they don't want the rank ones for those teams. They want the guys to get on some good ones that are going to ride for 85 to 88. Yeah. Not looking for the 90 pointers by any means. I don't think there's rounds for them. Like you said, they, they don't talk about the bulls that they do at the other no. part of the season. So there's no bull race there. And it takes it takes the same bulls to do those events, but they don't really talk about them as much. It's more about the riders now. So it's kind of lost the avenue that way for us, but I don't know. We'll see what happens, how long this is going to go for, if it's going to be the next new thing or what they're going to come up with. Hmm. I, I, I think it's it. also... Yeah, I, I as far as competition goes, I, I like it too, but I, 
I've noticed though that like yeah the like the whoopahs and like the real like rank rank bulls they just aren't really relevant on the team series it's not even no they're not discussed it's just not a thing now yeah it's kind of unfortunate that way it's hard for the contractors to get any good excitement about that whole team thing but yeah i don't know i don't know what they're gonna really come up with to change it it's like it's well, more of a it's more of a rider friendly type atmosphere now than a hmm. one that bucks you know over the moon kind of thing so i don't know I, I think the having the team series has also kind of devalued the world title race too because it's like a half a season now and it just like, it's so into, it's so condensed oh, no. yeah. and there's no off season now. Well, we went down there, left for Napa, you know, a month and a half ago, and went to that event, and I thought it was good crowd wise. The atmosphere was all there, but they just weren't riding anything. All your top dogs were hurt or not even around, or it was just I don't know. Just a weird feeling. They, eh? Yeah, they rode like I don't think they rode anything in the short round for two weekends or three weekends in a row. Like it was pretty Ugh. good for the bull quality, but like the crowd wise, they can't really enjoy that, I don't think. But that's there's not, not great heights. No. Come to well, see some good ones, but they all buck off, kind of thing. I couldn't believe the news today either, but like Kaike is number one in the world, not even going to the finals. He's hurt himself and he's not he's not going. He's got a rod in his leg, doesn't he? Yeah, he broke his uh, tip fib somewhere in the last little while. So, yeah, I seen that. Right, didn't look that bad on. Like he just landed funny on it or something. Or got stepped yeah. on. Maybe I'm not sure, but it sucks. Yeah, pretty wild. The guy, a guy's in line to win a million bucks and got to sit out, right? Like, but I wonder how much the team series now for him being on the, uh, you know, the team series where they're got a guaranteed check. Like it's, you know, to see guys like Kimsey and and a bunch of those top dogs, they're all they're all declaring in the draft now, to where. Those guys are buying in now, so yeah, like I uh, know. it's interesting. Yeah, there'll be some new. I, yeah, Sage Kimsey getting in that draft is going to be probably the number one pick, I would think. I don't know who else you're going to go really after at the top of the line, but be some new up and comers. Should be interesting. Lots of money for grabs, I'm guessing, for the top dogs. Anyway, what are your what are your thoughts on? I, I kind of was trying to get at a, a bit of a comparison. Where what are the top awards that are on your list now and the top places you want to get to like obviously in canada pinoca cfr calgary are probably top three um in the u.s now taking on a few different things and going to some of the northwest rodeos um but like i guess nfr is still probably probably the number one because i'm i'm it seems like the pbr is on the world final side is a little bit less of a thing now because it doesn't really fit when it's may Compared to the but November, like it was just so much easier in November in Vegas. November, yeah, the May thing is hard for our program. Our bulls are still basically not they're docile this time of year. They're not really on their top eight game because they've been sitting for so long all winter. Now we're trying to make them finals. They don't buck as hard, I don't think. So at the end of the day, it's not really good for that. The NFR is probably the number one to get to, probably also the hardest one to get to. It's... Like, if you can get one or two bulls there, you're actually doing all right. Like, it's just, it's come so, like, the days of having eight or ten there is, is definitely over. There's so many contractors in the States now, it's it's really a tough deal to get to, for sure. And it does help. We got the Northwest run. We go to, you know, start at Kennewick. We jump over to Ellensburg, then Pialup, and then we finish off at uh Pendleton. So that's been a good avenue for us to get those last late rodeos showcased for our animals to get the NFR. Yeah. Really works out well. 
that September run is fits in for that for sure. But still, in the, the day, we only got two bulls there last year, so hopefully, we get a few more. But you never know; it's a tough, tough gig to get to. You hear stories. I don't know if it's maybe more on the on the horse side, Nansen, but of contractors directly marketing to contestants going to the NFR, sending them videos or or notes on on their horses. Um, I don't know if that goes on on the bull side, but I, I don't really think that's your style. So is it is it hard to just sit back and let them bulls speak for themselves and and hope they get noticed? Um, just knowing with what's on the line. Yeah, it's the same old thing. It goes they bucked hard at the start of the year, and then you always want to end with a strong finish too. So they they got to do that to get there. But yeah, we do uh, have to send videos to the NFR saying that that got to submit three videos from each animal that they profile they look at before they pick the animal with it the director does pick them but then they got to go through another avenue of that of las vegas events that oversees everything to make sure it's all right and legit so it's a lot more work for us because we have to have all these videos lined up through the year and to tell exactly where they've bucked they have eight shows under their belt to even qualify for it eight plus and then comes with three videos and it costs us money to send the videos to the NFR per animal. So it's, it's definitely, like I said, it's harder to get there than anywhere than any show we go to all year. And it, it pays the pays best, the best, too, best so. too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's a, like, isn't it like a smooth 10,000, uh, animal U S yeah, it's right around 10 U S. Yep. What does it look like from the, from the time you'd have a, a bull selected and you just talk through everything that would go on from from that point for maybe how you treat that animal, vet checks and paperwork, transport, get in there and until they buck at the NFR. Yeah, so once they're selected, they usually do the CFR, then we kind of try to rest them and get them prepared for doing that long trip to Vegas. Not uh, much goes on for the fact of anything different at home for feed-wise and stuff. Just kind of make sure they're not getting get, getting sore. Just keep them kind of in shape as best we can. It's a long trip. We gotta maybe take two stops to get down there on the way there, and then roll in early that afternoon on the week. It's like six days before the event even starts, or seven days before. So we're there for quite a while prior than the told ten days. So it's a two and a half week process at the end. At the end, and it's a, it's not very. I don't know. Weather can be tricky for them down there. It can be really hot or actually pretty cold. But some bulls can't handle that being in, off their you know main program for that long and do very well with it. But and some do. Horses are a little bit easier, I think, for the most part. But last year we only had we had two selected and one ended up making it because he got hurt before he got to go down there. So we had to pull him out last minute, which was terrible. But uh yeah, gotta have the right bull that can handle that kind of a stressful encounter for the net that whole two, three week ordeal. And some you'll notice that that is don't it, handle it worth of shit really at the end of the day. Is it true that you don't see that bull other than when it's in the shoot? Uh, you're allowed to go visit or like see the stock and do what you want with them really in the morning till I think like nine or ten o'clock. And after that, you're supposed to kind of be out of there and not really around the whole situation. They feed them, water them, exercise them. They they chase them over to the building. That's one thing that's nice about Vegas. Is they don't have to haul them anywhere. They just have to chase them down the alleys up into the, the back pins there, which is good, I think. Compared to, we went to, to Texas. They had to haul everything over there from the stock grounds, which is kind of a 
can be more of a wreck waiting to happen kind of thing with those kind of animals, you know, because it's more chance of getting hurt, right? And more stress mixed in the mix. So, yeah, Vegas is it's a nice spot, but a little stressful at the same time. What are, what are some of the most memorable rides overall? I want to get into that before we wrap it up. Uh, the Burks ride on Slash, uh, Lonnie on Hard Hard Not to Get last year in Pinoka, but and Cooper's Comet, some of the NFL rounds. But what else sticks out to you? And is it maybe a ride that wasn't on one of your bulls? Like what what are your you've been to so many events over the last decade and a bit? What what are the ones that stand out to you and why? Geez, Ted, I don't know. I have to think about that for a while. Um, there was some always some good rides at Stavely. Like I remember Tanner, let's get in on. I think it was his own bull at the time. It was ninety yeah. some points there. I think he won that event what three years in a row or two for sure. Yeah, that was the uh, the black uh, kind the of black. We talked about this about two weeks ago too, and I forgot the name. Mister Echo. We Mister Echo. Mister Echo. Yeah. 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 And then I think he rode. Was it Igor Finkelstiff? Remember that bull of Kelly's? I don't remember that one. That was before my time. I remember that. Bull. Yeah, I think he was ninety some points on that bull. Yeah, that was a bull of no, it wasn't Ellie's. That was Ellie's, not Kelly's. Sorry, Scory bull. Oh, okay. Sure. Rides like that. I know there's been some good ones over the years, but I can't really think that's picked out anything lately or even over the years. Ah, uh, yeah, you're putting me in the spot, Ted. I don't even know. That's okay. We can revisit that another time too. I was just kind of curious if anything really stood out. But like, cause you see so many rides. Like, I just wondered, like, what stands out. But like, that that ride Alani's last year was unreal. Like, he should have been like ninety three or four that day. That was so badass <laughs> yeah. in the four round. It that was, was a good finish unreal. to the rodeo too. Yeah, it oh, was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, you know what I want to get back to actually. So, but one more thing on this. Some of the accolades. Like, what are some of the most memorable uh, trophies and trinkets and awards and buckles? And you know, is it the stock contractor of the year thing in the PBR Canada? Is it you know the contract of the year with Wayne? with Wayne as well in the CPRA? Is it, you know, missing out on Calgary? You, you, you said that was still on the list. Where does that, uh, yeah. you know, maybe a bull of the NFR someday could be a real reality. You know, what, what, what well, stands out for me? On the list? Uh, well, Cooper's Comet one bowl a year in 2013. Still wearing that buckle. That's when I, that's the one I wear all the time. Oh, really? 2016. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. when I keep on my belt everywhere i go yeah that's the one we wear that's the one i'm most proud of i think that was yeah that one stays with me so that's the one that really sticks out in my mind and you got bowl of the year in the cpra i think you got bowl of the year in, at the same year in the pbr as well so yeah i think you're right yeah but, yeah that's the, the one for me for sure it's very fitting isn't it it kind of yeah the uh I want to go back to Pinoka, uh, in the, in the PBR side of things. So talk about just kind of how that event has become what it is. And like, we talked about event of the year now, but like that. So Pinoka, the Pinoka stampede, um, it's a tr traditional rodeo. I think we can safely say it's a traditional rodeo, right? So adding the PBR in is a totally different piece of the puzzle. And I've, I got to work Pinoka the whole rodeo last year, but the highlight for me was the PBR that night. It was just so yeah. was just, just the, the, the show for, for what I do and the energy and bringing it up and having the pyro, like it was a totally different feel than the rest of the whole week. Right. Like, but I, but I got to ask you, how did you convince everybody to do that and, or, or who did and how did it become to be? Cause it's like, it's the most well-attended 
PBR one night PBR event in the country now. Like we, there's over ten thousand people at that thing, and we got them all singing along last year. Like it was unbelievable. It was yeah. such a cool event. Yeah, Pinocchio's always thought outside the box. The more in more cases than not, compared to lots of rodeos in Alberta, Canada, or whatever you want to say, they've always strived to be the biggest and find new avenues to get there. Whether it's with concerts, you know, the wagons are a big part of it. Uh, best stock in the world. And when that come up to have it there, I they did they did put their back behind it, which is good to see. And they got what they needed to get. Lots of support from the sponsorships, sponsors, and building that new grandstand there with all the suites and stuff. That really was an easy sell. Something they haven't seen before. More loud, you know, probably like you said, the pyro and the loud music, and that's. There was a good push. Like we we did it before, but it never worked out for having it involved with the stampede. We always kicked it off, like say the weekend before the stampede started. Like it was always top of Wainwright usually, and the people weren't in town yet. So once we did it in transition with their event, it just was a, a good good mix, and it, it's gonna I think keep growing. And we'll try to you know get more prize money added and get better rider. We had well at one time we had forty thousand added there at that bull riding. Yeah. And that's but then it never really couldn't get the people to come yeah. till, till they were already there and that's when it really took off and it wasn't a huge deal to start it later like it was a really long day really long night um with the pbr yeah. didn't start to probably like i don't think we started till quarter to nine or something like maybe nine but the lights yeah. we we need some more lights this year actually we need to get that sorted out <laughs> need a bit more yeah. light close by the streets. yeah yeah but but uh like just the electricity there and the the atmosphere is so neat. The only, but then then the other thing too is like on the on the Calcutta side, you got like a seventy thousand dollar Calcutta right in the middle of it. We just got to figure out how to keep the crowd kind of. Really well, I think it was even like it was one hundred three thousand Ted. I think it was average. Holy like shit! Over ten thousand head and or ten thousand dollars, and the winner took home like eighty five thousand. Oh my gosh! Thirty percent. It was the biggest Calcutta we've ever seen. Unreal. And I've been doing Calcutta's for a long time. Like Stavely was always the high one, but this one even blew that out of the water, which was yeah. crazy. Yeah. The only one Stavely's always done well. The only one is behind now is Pollockville, but you don't go to that one. Yeah, Pollockville is another user. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. Um yeah. but yeah, it's just so I, I don't know. I that that was one of the coolest events we did all year last year. I thought it was so badass. Um yeah, so it, it continues it and it's gonna be good, yeah. It's good. Yeah, we're hopefully. excited. We got a big band coming up again that night, and it's a, like you said, it's a full day. For sure. Yeah. But people want to party and get out of it. That's the night to do it. Yeah. Well, and that, that, what, that one uh, in 2021 was uh, like, how many records? Didn't they set a whole bunch of records as far as like beer sales and just like attendance yeah. and like some kind of crazy? It was like the third, the second or the, maybe the, the biggest day ever for beer sales, but then it was the second or third for attendance or something behind like a Keith Urban. Like it was just, it's such a major, major, major. Keith Urban was number one. Yeah. 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 So that's pretty good coming off of COVID year and, Hundred percent. You know, putting that thing, it was a kind of a last minute thing at the end of the day, and it all worked True. out really well. True. But people were wanting to get out and get after it by that point. They were <laughs> sick of being cooped up. Speaking of getting after it, I was I want to go back to uh Stavely and how last year I got I had a few too many extracurriculars and kind of got out of hand. It was quite quite the you fun did. place though. You remember that in the shop party at Brad's house? Remember oh, how yeah. loaded, remember how messed up? Oh that was? yeah. You might have a little friend in your pocket that night that had some <laughs> Some extra potion for you. <laughs> so a little bit of psilocybin. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was going to ask you about kind of all things. 
what are you drinking? What's your go-to now? Oh, I'm off the Bud Light. My wife's not. She doesn't give a shit about the whole the whole tranny episode. But I'm more of a Pendleton whiskey guy anyway. But okay, I'll drink some Twisted Teas and maybe stay away from the beer for a while. I don't know. Fair, fair. You, me, um, what am I into? I drank some Belgian Moon yesterday. I drank uh, some spiced rum. I drank some uh, some whiskey, some tequila. I felt fucking awful today. I was, we had a meeting this morning and I was just like, I had Let's like, say, what's two... today? Today's Monday. When's Wednesday or Tuesday? <laughs> what are you doing drinking on a Monday? Just it's my birthday. After, eh? This is my birthday. Was it? Yeah. Happy birthday. Partying. Yeah. And yours was on Saturday. And the hockey game. And the hockey game. Yeah. Yeah. We, well, uh, I don't want to talk about the hockey game. No. Did you go to the hockey sucked. game? Yeah. We were there last night. Yeah. It was shit. It's fucking poor. That's going to be a dead zone now that would be sucky oh it was it was terrible like i was so pumped when we got there and then they scored the first goal like yeah fuck yeah we're gonna win this one and then all of a sudden just what is going on yes awful no wasn't them it was terrible oh. i quit watching after the second period so yeah we were there it's like it's rude not to but like yeah people were leaving it was sad it was a sad episode not great but, yeah uh, go Go Edmonton, go. They're going to get it done, though, I think. We'll I, see. I think they'll come back again, just like they came back after the first game. But um, what else? What else you got, Sean? Anything else? Or should we wrap it up here? Do you want to get into the kidnapping fiasco? Oh, or leave yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Nansen, there's a crazy story about your dad getting kidnapped and held up for a ransom in Pinoca. You got to tell it's us true, the whole It's detail. a true story. Yeah. It's a true it's story. It's on the news. It's legit. Oh, fucking wild story. Yeah, one of those days, just go to work, and my father's not there, which is not out of the normal. Sometimes he doesn't come till you know, noon or whatever. But got getting some weird phone calls. He was phoning in through our secretary at the time, asking weird questions about money and if we can get some cash out because he's got to pay for some land deposit or something. He was bullshitting her or whatever. And she legitimately had to go down to the bank and try to get cash out not knowing what was going on because he couldn't really say what was going on. He's got a gun pointed at him in a vehicle that they that they picked him up in his... Have you been to my dad's place? Probably not. It's out of, I don't think so. Back, back in the trees, kind of long driveway with covered trees everywhere. And the guy pulled the top bar bar fence off and pulled it across the lane. So he had to get out of the vehicle to take it down to, to go by, right? So he does that, and that's when the guy comes out of the bush with the gun and throws him in his car and takes off. And yeah, it was quite the quite the deal for him as it took, I think, three hours before he got out of there. They hauled him around to a couple of banks, trying to get cash out. And then he somehow, while he's in the bank with his bank card, got out of his out of the rope they had around his his uh hands pulled off the mask that they threw over his head, like the pillowcase, and got out running towards the closest gas station, which I think was, was uh, what was it? Mohawk in, in Lacombe. That's where they picked him up at. Oh, geez. And the guy fled for another, what, three, four days? No way. Before they no caught way. him? Yeah. What kind of fucking idiot ties somebody up with rope? Like, what year is it? Yeah, so he was pretty stressed out about the whole situation. It really took a toll on him for a while, which I can imagine with anybody when you got a gun pointed at you and threatening with your life. And then with the funny, not funny part, but one of the parts of cops told our whole family, you know, maybe not stay at your place, kind of go with relatives or friends and kind of don't hang out till we get this guy caught. 
and no joke that this guy lived four doors down from Jen's, my wife's parents' place in town. No way. And we end up staying there at her parents' place while this is all going on for the almost half or we can earn four or five days that it took to get him caught. But yeah, it's a crazy story. It still blows my mind that it even happened that that kind of shit goes on, especially a small town, Pinocchio. I think the guy just lost his job and didn't tell his wife and he had payments coming out that he couldn't cover. And I guess he went to the extreme to try to get some that way. Some crazy guy that needed cash and that's the best avenue to go at it. Holy. Because my dad had this guy staying at the place where we live at, where he lives at. And they left before him because they had stayed in the cabin that we have on the place in the back. And there was a log on the road and that wire that I mentioned was across the way of the road and they moved it. Phoned my dad before he left the house saying there's some guy playing a joke on you up here. Just be careful. And then he sure shit throws back out there and it's back across the road again. And that's hmm. when the guy come out and got him. So it's, that's yeah, nuts. Jeez. I'm so we were a little freaked out for a while happen. there because we were getting cops shown up at the market and because it got word that he was kidnapped because it got out and then yeah, it kind of went crazy there for about three, four hours. Holy shit. When did you when did you see him? Or was he like what what happened to him once he got out by the gas station? Did the hopefully the gas station guys they called 911 right there and then we didn't go pick him up. We met him back at his place and because he had to go through all the steps with the cops of what went on and yeah. We kind of just there for support at the end. Did of the Blair day. know who he was? Well, actually, Jen's my wife's friends because they put out a. They found him on the cameras of the bank with his glasses and toque on, and one of my wife's friends picked him out as some people that they knew in town. Yeah, like that. It's yeah. That's how that. That's how they caught him. Was Jeez. my wife's girlfriend picked him out on on the on the news report or whatever. Jeez, that is wild. Yeah, it was nuts. Hmm. It was nuts, no question about it. But we can laugh at it now a little bit. It was kind of crazy story that we can tell our grandkids and kids and stuff. I guess. Like, yeah, I'm like that. Podcast is not happening in Canada much at all. I would bet. Like that is such a no. I never hear of it. But yeah, always the scary part is what if he wouldn't have got away? What would have happened? Yeah. Like, we don't know how serious this guy was and stuff, how crazy he was. So yeah. it's just fortunate that he got another one he did. Yeah. He'll probably kill me for telling that story, but that's fine. Well, he told it on the news. So it's not like it's in the public yeah, domain. Yeah. It's not like yeah. it's not a story that's not He's... out there in some capacity. Yeah. Yeah. No. How, how How's your dad doing, Nansen? Uh, good. He had a little trouble with He had some cancer scare there and got that kind of beat. And then it kind of came back. It's, he's still carrying it. He had some in his spine, but he's doing well. He spent all summer in the states, and he's back now. And we're, you know, seen him yesterday actually, so he's doing fine. Okay, good deal. Kicking, yeah. He'll be at the stamp for... for sure. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Okay, good news. Well, uh, yeah. um, Sean, if you don't have anything else, let's uh ask the last question and call her good. Yeah. Well, if I'm attempting to uh, fill Wacy's shoes, I'll just ask you, Nansen, what is your definition of cowboy shit? Cowboy what? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, cowboy shit. Cowboy shit. That is the definition of being a true cowboy that I guess uh, you don't give a shit about what anybody else thinks of you kind of thing. That's my definition of it. Well, and I, I got to say that I think some of it has to do with uh, uh, we never even got into the family side of things, but like 
but you guys are all on the road all summer and you get to be together all summer where a lot of folks work at a job in the, in the office or they're here, they got to travel and do whatever. But like, I think it's pretty special. You guys get to be as a family all the time and get to travel like that. And Jaden with where he's at with things right now. And he's kind of got, he's got a few of yeah. his own bulls now too, right? Is that he's very involved. Yeah. He's got some pretty good bulls that he gets to beat around the year with and doing very well that way. Got a good start to good jump on the game. That's what you could kind of say. Like we're doing, we're doing cowboy shit all year long, really, with the family yeah. and hanging out with the guys, and it's a great atmosphere to be a part of. I couldn't change it for nothing, really. We see so many people. Like when COVID hit, it really took a toll on, on what we did for a living, and you know to bounce back from that and hopefully keep it going where we left off is uh, been a toll, but it's been very good and couldn't be happier at the moment. So yeah. Well, and you've got kind of like a huge uh, chunk of the business in the country now too, but like taking out, taking on and buying the outlaw side of things, outlaw buckers. And like, you'd have like, how many bull chips would you have in a year now? Like, would it be like, is it a, would it be more than a thousand? That's my wife's question. We had a lot yeah. of, I don't know. Yeah. We had, a, I think we got a hundred, but Jake does all the number count first round here. Wilson, he's been with us now for, I don't know, two years since basically going to COVID kind of got over. We kind of went back at it. Jake kind of come on board. And uh, yeah, I got bigger with Outlaw selling out, bought all that stuff, been busy with the steel. Uh, I think there's 150 bulls that can, you know, go on the truck here at home, give or take, and then a bunch of young stock from yearlings to three-year-olds, right? So we're not short of, of animals in any case of the means. And yeah, cows are calving right now too. So we're busy doing that and waiting for the. Well, once June hits, we're kind of full bore, right? So we're kind of baby, baby steps in May, and then June hits, we're going four different directions at once. So, what's the winter like now? Like this is kind of rest and recovery and recuperation for the, you know, from the January mm-hmm. to January to essentially kind of now, I guess. Really, there's not a lot that goes on up here for us those kind of months. But you don't, you went down south for that kind of few week stretch too in in April, I guess. But yeah, I know I like to maybe do a few more winter rodeos, but I don't know. It's I've heard guys, it's just to go down there and you got to have a spot, you know, that you can go lay at, right. You can't just go travel around down there for a month and kind of keep staying here, staying there. It'd be nice to have a spot like say in Oklahoma to, to kind of lay low for the month or two and then come back to Alberta and keep going in the spring. But uh, yeah, we did the spring run, you know, at the PBR for four events and then come home for this now. And then we'll go back down in August, September. So, it's a good mix. It's a good time to have a break too. Like we need a break after NFR is kind of the last kick at the cat, and it's good to have a good couple months off. Get the bulls mm-hmm. kind of rested up, and got to come home and haul feed and straw. We got a fortunate neighbor here that feeds solids for us every day, which is a real godsend. Kind of keeps that in line. And we still got to feed grain and feed your horses, and we got a few bucking horses around here too. So mm-hmm. it's a full chore short day for sure okay well awesome well we appreciate you doing this nance and thanks for making it work on short notice and thanks for thanks for sharing the stories i, I think we could talk more bloodlines and bulls for hours but oh, I, for uh, hours yeah we could do so much more but this has been awesome yeah. time thanks for thanks for sharing with us yeah not a problem ted thanks oh. sean you bet one more one more thing who are we looking for this year in the in the bullpen who are we looking to watch to watch for and who's standing out uh the bullpen i guess we're gonna see i think deep creek will be up in the 
short rounds, one to look at for both rodeo and PBR. Uh, Haunted Hotel will be another one. He's a five-year-old this year. That's really showcased well down the States. They're probably the two standouts. There is some younger bulls too that really haven't got a whole lot of rider trips on that look very promising. We got that chosen, that little Hereford that come from Prescott's. He'll be another one to definitely be watching. So yeah, we're very excited. There's lots of lots of potential there, definitely coming forward. So but that one of my picks. I think Deep Creek will be the, one of the most solid bulls you'll see from our pen for a new one anyway. I meant to ask this earlier too, but how are you how are you deciding who's staying or going in for what you sell? And what what's the deciding factor now? Like if you can sell one for a hundred grand a year, like it's a pretty nice bonus to kind of make things really work because otherwise like it's just a matter of sheer trips and animals like to make the margins work to make that make it a profitable venture but like having been able to sell one like what what is the deciding factor now to let one go where before you kept slash and he was the foundation of the program and got you on the map but now what's the well how are you deciding is it one that like he's just not going to be able to be ridden up here much like a, like a canadian miss you're like yeah like he's just it's a 46 point goal, just... like it's not gonna not gonna happen yeah, if we can find one of them, which is hard, easier said than done, but money does talk. If there's a stupid amount of number that's going to come forward, we'll definitely consider it. But I'm going to been looking more at the avenue of selling our, you know, our mediocre bulls that will still work for up here. But I've sold quite a few over to Quebec, Ontario this last spring. And I think we're going to go with that avenue. Uh, Joey Tardiff and another guy out there that's in Ontario is picking up something. He's going to do the London event with us. So I sold some bulls to him over there. So he's going to help us out there with what I sent over to that to him. So, yeah, it has to be a pretty crazy number anymore because we're going to try to keep that that top end bulls around for a change. Maybe try that avenue and kind of sell some bottom end ones, get rid of more of them. So, okay, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, we're excited for keeping some stuff around for a change. Because we've always kind of sold our top end off for every year. So it's... yeah. See what shakes out. Okay. Well, awesome. Well, we appreciate this. And yeah. I, I glad to call your friend and be able to work with you every uh every few weeks or every weekend in the busy time. So thanks for yeah, taking we'll the see time. You, see you in GP then, I guess, eh? Yeah, you betcha. Yeah. Actually, uh no, uh Brandon. If you're going to Brandon, I'll be there too. No, I won't be there. Won't be there. Okay. GP it is. See you there. Awesome. We look forward to it. We'll make sure to stay tuned if you're out there and, and interested in the bull business, give Nansen a shout. Uh, Nansen, Nansen Vold, once again, our guest today, part of the Wayne Vold rodeo crew and taking bulls across the country from, you've been, you've been from Abbotsford to Halifax, probably on the PBR tours and those different shows and from yeah, in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. From here to Texas and back. So, uh, yeah. Vegas, different times. So yeah. Thanks Nansen. This was awesome. Thanks Nansen. Yeah. Take care, take care guys. Thanks for having me. back for the second half and third half i guess you want to call it that with a third third of cowboy shit with ted and wacy <laughs> i'm ted he's wacy <laughs> <laughs> and uh just want to throw another thanks to nancy <laughs> Volt for taking the time to chat with us it was like ted said it was last minute but 
cool to sit down with. And he's kind of, Nance has made a really good name for himself in the bucking bull industry as a whole, not only in Canada. So cool to see them having the success that they've been having and what a cool show. And 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 like you mentioned before, we jumped into the interview, Ted, you guys were talking about kind of how the PBR finals structured now and the PBR season and how it's kind of like, I don't know, in my opinion, it's kind of diluted the prestige or like the, what makes the PBR world finals, what it is, is kind of gone now since it's moved to this new structure. And I'm, and like you guys talked about with Nansen, it's, you had an effect on the stock contractors too. So I don't know yeah. what, what, what we do from here. Yeah. The, uh, so I think the biggest thing on the bull side is that, well, overall, overall, number one, I think, I think the team series has devalued the world title race. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's devalued it because uh, there's way more competition now and 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 then the, there's no off season. The off season got even shorter, which I don't think is good mm-hmm. for bull riding. The, the NFL is one of the hardest. What do you call it? It's one of the toughest, um, like the toughest sport it's, on a person's body. And it yeah, and, they, and they play once a week. Yeah, they play once yeah. a week, and they and they like one game, which you know, one game is probably the equivalent of I don't know, I don't know a week into bull riding, like four four bull rides, like the average competition of four four bull rides, or so whatever. Um, but then, but then before their Super Bowl, they got a week off. They get like two like a weekend <laughs> yeah. off. They don't have two mm-hmm, weekends mm-hmm. of competition. And I think bull riding is probably harder on people. There's not many people that died die playing football in action. One guy tried to die last year, like Demar Hamlin, right? Like he tried, mm-hmm. like almost died, but it was from the yeah from the like you know the hit right by the heart. I forget what the name of it is. Come on, cart bad. I don't know what it is. I don't want to mess it up. But anyways. <laughs> there's, there needs to be a fucking off season in bull riding, especially yeah, you're the leaders. They but they don't want to give up these events in the major towns where they have all the things. Like they don't want to give up, they don't want to give up the billings, and they don't want to give up the, uh, you know, the New York City MSGs events. Like, are the, yeah. So I think they have to figure out how to. It's kind of it's a tough spot. It's a tough spot, but I think they have to figure out how to incorporate those major, mm-hmm. uh, established venues with major events for uh. For the team series or else make the challenger tour some kind of feeder system with those events but then you don't you want to dilute it because you want you can't take like a b-level bull riding into msg so no you got some work to do mm-hmm. yeah and I, it just seems like from a fan perspective i've never been less engaged with the pbr world title race than i have been this season right and mm-hmm. it seems like even the, the marketing of it it's you hardly see anything on the actual regular season stuff they're still even talking about teams and and that always finds its way to the top in the front of mind of people so maybe that's by design on their end but it yeah, just it seems like it's just not it's just not what it used to be which is kind of a disappointment and i mean it's good that the teams thing has been doing okay i guess from, from a standpoint and it's like something new but i think what what's made bull riding standalone bull riding events popular and what they are today they've kind of drifted away from that at this point yeah that kind of sucks and, it, and even and even like losing your world number one before the event even starts like mm-hmm. that sucks too right so but i don't know he's probably less worried and less concerned about trying to ride at this finals for a million dollars now when he can make half a million dollars it's kind of almost guaranteed money i don't know what his contract is. yeah like with sage kimsey i think well who is it is it sage kimsey and 
Josh Frost and who else? Like a lot of the major, major guys in the PRCA are now declaring for the team's draft. The PBR, mm-hmm. I haven't paid too close attention to it, but I'm pretty sure Sage is in the draft. So he'll probably be a, you know, I would expect like a number one or number two pick. I'm guessing. I don't for sure. I yeah. Expect yeah. So if he's declared himself to go in this draft. So, uh, mm-hmm. but anyways, the, I think number two though, on the side, the side of it is it's been a huge, you know, there's huge investment on the bull side of things, but there'll be less investment now because the world title race is lessened, I think in the PBR and it's weird timing on the seasons, especially for Canadian bucking bulls. Cause our, our bulls haven't gone anywhere yet. Like they haven't, they've been to like, one or two events it's just so, coming out of winter man they're not yeah. in, they're not in peak not in shape peak shape where in november they are right so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. anyways uh number two though yeah it devalues the bulls because the bulls aren't even hardly thought of on the team side of things like i don't even know if they mentioned but like hardly what they are it's more about just the team and the guy and the score yeah uh, and, well, the, and the way the pens are set up they're setting them up to be more rides like it's not like yeah, you're bringing your a level bulls right which is how it should be yeah. for sure but you're not bringing the Wupas and the, the world title oh. contender bulls to those team those events, events right yeah it doesn't really make sense now so uh so yeah i think that you'll see a lot less investment on the bull side and you might see them go back to the prca but the problem with prca is that you have a card and the card mm-hmm. costs way too much money so um so i don't know i don't know what the next move is but i Hope that teams really works and maybe there's a, uh, you know, it's, I think, I think, I hope, I hope the teams works and I hope that the, the world title race goes to the rider in the team's event that rides the most bulls or has the most, is the MVP of the league is the world champion that I think that could just be the move it over, really flip it on its head and just, I don't want, I don't think they abolish the world title race, but I think that, that, I think they got to have an off season and I think they have to, uh, what am I trying to say? They gotta have an off season and they have to uh but they also have to keep those big events. But I think you have a pretty kick-ass teams event in MSG too. For sure. And especially if you got like healthy top end bull riders going to, like you say. So yeah. I think yeah, I think the the structure of how it is now needs to kind of be reevaluated because you're not you're, your top guys are gonna be hurt all the time and it just doesn't seem like it's gonna work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. anyways, yeah. You. Yeah. So um but also one, la- one last point to hit, I guess, is we're we're heading into May Long, and we figured we'd revive one of our favorite May Long promos. The favorite, <laughs> the fan favorite, Waste Ted promo code is coming at you I'm this weekend. Ted. I'm Ted. He's Wasey, and yeah, you can this weekend you can use the promo code Waste Ted to save fifty percent on your favorite cowboy shit items. So be on the lookout for that. But for those of you who heard it here first, go get it. You know what's up? Go get it. It happening. Right. Spring's right. coming, so you're gonna need some new fresh cowboy shit gear to be looking good this summer at all the events. So maybe a monument. Maybe a monument. And for those who say that like hoodie season is over, I've never been spent a summer night in Alberta. So they're wrong. They are wrong. Oh, maybe if so. you're from Texas, you need to buy a t-shirt. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think that that about wraps it up, Teddy. I think we've hit everything on on the on the list and it's about bedtime for you over there across the pond. So pretty close. I'm hoping that uh WestJet doesn't go on strike so I can get home on Saturday. If not, <laughs> I'll see you uh eventually. I'll see you when I see you, brother. Yeah. I got a lot of flights booked with WestJet. They better figure that shit out. Man, you're like a double platinum member of WestJet now. Boy, so I hope they don't fuck that up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll I'm sure they'll get it started up. But yeah, enjoy so. the enjoy yeah. the rest of your trip, man. Thanks yeah, for making thanks. this happen. Talk Play to some you. good golf. Say hi to the fellas. 
to have some scotch, to have some Guinness. I guess you're not in Ireland, but I've whatever. had lots of Guinness. I like Guinness. How's the beer? One last, how's the beer over there? Great. I'm a big fan of Guinness. We had plenty of, we had plenty, plenty of Camden Hells lager in London. It's pretty solid. Uh, yeah, I've mostly been on the scotch and the scotch, old fashions and the, and the Guinness. It's been good. Right on, buddy. Cool, yeah. man. Okay, well, we'll enjoy the trip and we'll uh, touch base when you get back. But gotcha. thanks everybody for tuning in. Don't forget to check us out on social media at Cowish Official. Kind of anywhere you want to find us, we'll be there. Um, and don't be afraid to let us know who you want to see on the show or what you want to hear. We we love covering all that kind of stuff. So we will shoot us a message or whatever you think. But yeah, this has been episode 143 of Cowboy Ship with Ted and Wacy. I'm Ted. He's Wacy. And we'll check you for episode 143.